Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, help us inspire others by sharing your favorite episodes on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Today's reading was edited and adapted from The Realization of Life by Robindranath Tagore, published in 1916. Things in which we do not take joy are either a burden upon our minds to be got rid of at any cost, or they are useful and therefore in temporary impartial relation to us, becoming burdensome when their utility is lost, or they are like wandering vagabonds, loitering for a moment on the outskirts of our recognition, and then passing on thing is only completely our own when it is a thing of joy to us. The greater part of this world is to us as if it were nothing, but we cannot allow it to remain so, for it belittles our own self. The entire world is given to us, and all our powers have their final meaning in the faith that, by their help, we are to take possession of our inheritance. But what is the function of our sense of beauty in this process? Is it there to separate truth into strong lights and shadows, and bring it before us to distinguish beauty from ugliness? If that were so, then we would have to admit that this sense of beauty creates a dissension in our universe and sets up a wall of hindrance across the highway of communication that leads from everything to all things. But that cannot be true. As long as our realization is incomplete, a division necessarily remains between things known and unknown, pleasant and unpleasant. But in spite of the dictum of some philosophers, Humanity does not accept any arbitrary and absolute limit to our knowable world. Every day our science is penetrating into the region formerly marked on the map as unexplored or unexplorable. Our sense of beauty is similarly engaged in ever pushing on from its conquests. Truth is everywhere. Therefore, everything is the object of our knowledge. Beauty is omnipresent. Therefore, everything is capable of giving us joy. In the early days of human history, we took everything as a phenomenon of life. The science of life then began by creating a sharp distinction between life and non-life. But as science is proceeding further and further, the line of demarcation between the animate and the inanimate is growing more and more vague. In the beginning of our understanding, the sharp lines of contrast were helpful to us, but as our comprehension becomes clearer, they gradually fade away. The Upanishads have said that all things are created and sustained by an infinite joy. To realize this principle of creation, we have to start with a division, 
the division into the beautiful and the non-beautiful. The apprehension of beauty has to come to us with a vigorous blow to awaken consciousness from its primitive lethargy, and it attains its goal by the urgency of the contrast. At first, we detach beauty from its surroundings. We hold it apart from the rest, but in the end, we realize its harmony with all. Then the recognition of beauty in things great and small become easy, and we see it more in the unassuming harmony of common objects than in things startling in their singularity. When we have the power to see things detached from self-interest and from the insistent claims of the lust of the senses, then alone can we have a true vision of the beauty that is everywhere. Then only can we see that what is unpleasant to us is not necessarily unbeautiful, but has its beauty in truth. When I say that beauty is everywhere, I do not mean that the word ugliness should be abolished from our language, just as it would be absurd to say that there is no such thing as untruth. Untruth there certainly is, not in the system of the universe, but in our power of comprehension as its negative element. In the same manner there is ugliness in the distorted expression of beauty in our life and in our art, which comes from our imperfect realization of truth. To a certain extent we can set our life against the law of truth which is in us, and which is in all, and likewise we can give rise to ugliness by going counter to the eternal law of harmony which is everywhere. Through our sense of truth we realize law in creation, and through our sense of beauty we realize harmony in the universe. When we recognize laws in the natural world, we extend our mastery over physical forces and become powerful. When we recognize the law in our moral nature, we attain mastery over self and become free. In like manner, the more we comprehend the harmony in the physical world, the more our life shares the gladness of creation. Our expression of beauty and art becomes more truly all-inclusive, and as we become conscious of the harmony in our soul, our apprehension of the blissfulness of the spirit of the world becomes universal, and the expression of beauty in our life moves in goodness and love towards the infinite. This is the ultimate object of our existence, that we must ever know that beauty is truth, truth beauty. We must realize the whole world in love, for love gives it birth, sustains it, and takes it back to its bosom. We must have that perfect emancipation of heart which gives us the power to stand at the innermost center of things and have the taste of that fullness of disinterested joy which belongs to Brahma. 
music is the purest form of art, and therefore the most direct expression of beauty, with a form and spirit which is one and simple, the least encumbered with anything extraneous. We seem to feel that the manifestation of the infinite in the finite forms of creation is music itself, silent but visible. The evening sky, tirelessly repeating the starry constellations, seems like a child struck with wonder at the mystery of its own first utterance, lisping the same word over and over again, and listening to it in unceasing joy. When on a rainy night of July, the darkness is thick upon the meadows, and the pattering rain draws veil upon veil over the stillness of the slumbering earth. The monotony of the rain patter seems to be the darkness of sound itself. The gloom of the dim and dense line of trees, the thorny bushes scattered in the bare heath like floating heads of swimmers with bedraggled hair. The smell of the damp grass and the wet earth. The spire of the temple, rising above the undefined mass of blackness, grouped around the village huts. Everything seems like notes rising from the heart of the night, mingling and losing themselves in the one sound of ceaseless rain filling the sky. Therefore the true poets, they who are seers, seek to express the universe in terms of music. They rarely use symbols of painting to express the unfolding of forms, the mingling of endless lines and colors that goes on every moment on the canvas of the blue sky. They have their reason. For the artist who paints must have a canvas, brush, and color box. The first touch of the brush is very far from the complete idea. And then when the work is finished, the artist is gone. The window picture stands alone. The touches of love from the creative hand are withdrawn. But the singer-poet has everything within themselves. The notes come out from their very life. They are not materials gathered from outside. Their ideas and expressions are brother and sister. Very often they are born as twins. In music the heart reveals itself immediately. It suffers not from any barrier of foreign material. Therefore, though music has to wait for its completeness like any other art, yet at every step it gives out the beauty of the whole. As material of expression, even words are barriers, for their meaning has to be constructed by thought. But music never has to depend upon any obvious meaning. It expresses what no words can ever express. What is more, music and the musician are inseparable. When the singer departs, their singing dies with them, for it is in eternal union with the life and joy of the master. 
The world song is never for a moment separated from its singer. It is not fashioned from any outward material. It is joy itself, taking never-ending form. It is the great heart sending the tremor of its thrill over the sky. There is perfection in each individual strain of this music, which is the revelation of completion in the incomplete. No one of its notes is final, yet each reflects the infinite. What does it matter if we fail to understand the exact meaning of this great harmony? Is it not like the hand meeting the string of the instrument and drawing out at once all its tones at the touch? It is the language of beauty, the caress that comes from the heart of the world and straightaway reaches our heart. Last night, in the silence which pervaded the darkness, I stood alone and heard the voice of the singer of eternal melodies. When I went to sleep, I closed my eyes with this last thought in my mind, that even when I remain unconscious in slumber, the dance of life still goes on in the hushed arena of my sleeping body keeping step with the stars. The heart will throb, the blood will leap in the veins, and the millions of living atoms of my body will vibrate in tune with the note of the harp string that thrills at the touch of the master. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get your own private feed to our podcast with full transcripts delivered right to your smartphone by becoming our patron today. It costs less than a cup of coffee a month and will ensure the production of our podcast for years to come. Visit livinghour.org patron. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.